everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. lower body but I did three three squat variations two deadlift variations two glute um activations two two sets of ab work and then smash some cardio on the stairmaster and I left and I was like I am all woman <laughs> yes okay we're live welcome to Thursday's live Welcome everybody to Thursday's Live, usually Wednesday's Live, but thank you all for your lovely um, happy anniversary messages. It was very, very sweet. Um, I had a lovely time and now we are ready to address some of your questioners. Okay, so I'm just going to preface this episode with there are quite a lot of questions that we've gone over quite a lot. So I think on these, we're literally just going to be like, bashing through them and then there's some really good questions that we haven't covered so we'll go into more detail on those but for example this one i'm struggling with calories i don't think i've eaten so much but i find it hard to get them all in i'm i'm on a fat loss phase um i'm five for eight i weigh 73 kilograms i'm on 1600 calories it's harder when you're um not shoveling shit in your mouth all day i guess to fit your calories yeah um, as a slight aside, I'm loving the weight workouts, never realized how much I enjoy them and I love feeling my muscles work hard. So I think we've covered this quite a lot that if you're really struggling with food volume, stop trying to eat such voluminous foods. And this is probably like this person's in fat loss, but especially when you're increasing your calories to maintenance or hypertrophy, if you're still eating your quote unquote diet foods and just trying to eat more and more, it can be really hard to fit that much volume in and it's just not enjoyable. Whereas yeah. we've spoken about this before, it could be as simple as I need to increase my calories by 200, keep things the same and add in a protein bar or keep things the same yeah. and add in some nuts. Like it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It doesn't have to be masses more volume. And if you are struggling to get in enough calories, start looking at more calorie dense things. Yeah, they, every time people are like, oh, it's so much harder when you cut out the junk. Well, the answer is in the question. Maybe put a little bit of junk back in. And I don't mean at the expense of protein or fruit and veg, but to get your calories up. Agreed. Okay, next question. First week in hypertrophy for me, I was aiming for 1,700 calories from 1,500. So she's upped her calories from 1,500 to 1,700 for hypertrophy. Probably up them again. But anyway, she says... She's had a bit of a clusterfuck week and ended up on 2,000 calories. Um, how many calories are too many calories when in hypertrophy? How do you know when you've reached the right level? Okay, so this is completely subjective. There is no blanket. You should be on this many calories for any of you. We give you a ballpark, which is what all equations are, a ballpark. And then we work with each of you, hopefully, you know, if you need us to, you're tagging us on Facebook. We work with each of you separately to get you to a deficit or a maintenance or a surplus that's appropriate for you. And there is no blanket. This is too many calories. This is too little. Well, no, there is a blanket. This is too little calories. And for me personally, I would say that's kind of at your BMR. That's that's too little. Um, 
So uh, what I would say is if you're moving into hypertrophy and you've been hitting kind of 2000 calories, that's not bad. I mean, like I say, it's a ballpark general figure. Like that's kind of pretty much where we'd want to work you up to anyway, um, as a ballpark. The reason why we increase you slowly is A, for behavioral, um, B, for uh, your own feeling of control as you come up in calories. It's very psychological as well. Um, but also so we can watch you, watch how your body responds. Where is your maintenance? Where are we going to be in a happy surplus where we can gain muscle and ideally minimize fat gain? So that's why we do it really slowly. At least that's why I do it. Um, why don't you just let us know on Facebook where you've been, what, what your weigh-ins are looking like um, since you've been doing this. And then we can, like I say, 2000 isn't crazy by any means. We can decide whether you're a maintenance, you potentially are still in a deficit or whether you're kind of teetering on that surplus. That's what I would say, Emma. Yeah, I think, well, from what I'm gathering from this question, she aimed to be at 1700 calories, which would have you realistically in a slight deficit, I would imagine anyway. Again, I'm, I'm like estimating here. Um, I would imagine that for hypertrophy, somewhere around 2000 is probably quite a good start point for you. Obviously, we would monitor and adapt that over time. And I think mm -hmm. like the point I want to make here is you, you've been like, oh, I had a bit of a fuck up and like, I've gone up to 2000 calories when I should have been on 1700. That's probably actually a good thing. And as Chloe's saying, the reason that yeah. we up you slowly is more psychological than it is physiological. Like ideally, if hypertrophy is goal, we get you out of deficit as soon as possible and into a slight surplus. Mm -hmm. And you were asking about like how much is too much. Again, like Chloe's saying, there isn't such a like a too much, but in terms of how much of those extra calories above maintenance you can actually use to build muscle, that's quite low. So we've spoken about this yeah. before, but it's probably, you probably don't need to be in a surplus of more than like 50 to 100 calories. So yeah, it's not, not like you need to be in a huge, huge surplus every day. Um, and there's no point being in a bigger one because it's not going to all go to muscle mass anyway. So that's why we don't put you in a huge surplus. Agreed. Okay, just wondering why 10 minutes of cardio for grads and fat loss? I mean, I know why, but why specifically 10 minutes and why is a walk best? So for you guys, for grads, I typically, well, everybody really by the end of their round of EC will end up doing 10 to 20 minutes of cardio after resistance training workouts. And I add it on really incrementally, bit by bit as the weeks pass. And it's really just to make sure that you guys are, your calorie expenditure is where I want it to be, to keep you moving, to make sure that if any metabolic adaptation were to occur, so if you've come onto the EC method from a long-winded diet or something like that, that we're keeping on top of it and we're keeping you moving. Um, that's why. Uh, the reason why I'm not going 30 minutes, 40 minute crazy cardio is because you don't need it. If you're resistance training, hitting your steps and hitting your calories, you don't need to be doing an hour's worth of cardio a day. You just don't. You know, that only really applies to people who are like incredibly lean already, who aren't lean enough to get on a stage yet. Those are the only people who should be doing crazy amounts of cardio. And that ain't you lot. Um, so that's why. And the newbies don't need to start off doing that. They will end up having a bit more cardio. But if you're a grad, you've already been on the plan. You've already ended with some cardio. It, I don't want to cut it right off the bat because that basically means right off the bat and cutting back your calorie expenditure. <clears throat> so basically... It's to keep you progressing. It's to keep you on track. It's to keep on top of any metabolic adaptation that may or may not occur for some of you. Um, and that's the answer why. Lastly, I will just say, if you've been doing, you know, if you've been enjoying an added amount of cardio or the odd run here and there, keep it up. 
just keep that keep that expenditure going um so you don't take a step back yeah i agree i think it's just another tool isn't it like we'll put you initially we have you increase your steps like for a lot of people that's a quite a big increase in energy expenditure you're doing your workouts we set you a calorie target then at some point when that fat loss slows you've got a choice like given adherence is spot on let's say um you have a choice we need to create a deficit now so how do we do that or a bigger deficit now how do we do that we either increase your energy expenditure or reduce your energy intake and what we tend not to like to do is to reduce your calorie intake because it's harder to stick to so cool we're going to add on 10 minutes of cardio Uh, there's no but in terms of the question like there's no secret it doesn't have to be 10 minutes of walking could be a bike yeah be like you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be walking it could be a jog it could be anything um and 10 minutes is just really kind of an arbitrary like it's not too long it's not too short but it's not like 10 minutes is best and walking is best nothing else will burn body fat And, every, and you guys should be reading in the notes as well that I'm saying you can go for a walk. That's just added steps. You can get on a cardio machine. You could do a one minute on, one minute off, you know, five times over circuit, like hit circuit with burpees or star jumps if you want to go a bit easier. Like whatever. It's just to basically keep your expenditure ticking. Um, so, yeah, great point, Emma. Okay, next question. I gym whenever I can. I love the gym. Um, but on the days I can't get there, because of work, etc. Is it okay to do a weighted home body weight workout? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next question. I'm on HRT and I find my cycle really affects my training and hunger. I'm also on tramadol for long-term health condition and pain management. I sleep seven to eight hours a night and eat well and track everything, but not seeing changes on the scales. However, I am on inches. Um, but my doctor says, uh, keeps focusing on BMI and being overweight. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, I would say if, if, if you're having hormonal fluctuations and, or you're on medication and that is specific to a, the person and B the medication, the scales can be a nightmare when it comes to tracking your, uh, your progress. Um, and inches are a lot better to go on, but even then it can be difficult, um I would say if you're seeing inches come off then you're on track and eventually and this might be more long term for you because as I say you're having fluctuations daily on the scales eventually those fluctuations will come down in terms of it will still fluctuate but it'll fluctuate at a lower number um so just keep cracking on and the scales will catch up for people like you if, if the inches are coming off every week or every fortnight I would say maybe don't maybe weigh in once a month Right, and just see where your fluctuate like for a week, once a month, so every three weeks, um, and just see where your fluctuations are and if they're trending down. Emma? Yeah, I agree. I actually think you are losing body fat. It's just not mm-hmm. shown on the scales. And you're doing everything mm-hmm. right. And yeah, maybe your doctor's talking about BMI a lot, but you haven't seen that result on the scale yet, which means it won't affect your BMI yet. But to me, if you're losing inches, it's going in the right direction. So I wouldn't... Yeah. Like I wouldn't worry too much about it now. I think I think you're just looking for results quicker than they're gonna appear on the scales. But it will come. Yeah. Um, and also well done for like sounds like you're going through a lot, but still doing everything right. Like you're still getting your steps in, you're still doing your workouts, you like all this will massively help. And if you're on long term painkillers, that can be I mean it's great you're still getting enough sleep and yeah it's not it's not as easy for everyone so 
well done for not uh, using that as an excuse because I know a lot of people would. Yeah, I, I back that. The one time I've taken tramadol, I was like, wow, you would have to be in a lot of pain to handle this. This, this is a, that's a serious, serious painkiller. Um, so yeah, good for you. Good for you slogging through it, girl. Okay, round two for me and the third week of stalling on the same way after losing six kilograms in the first round. I'm five foot five, my weight is 71 kilograms. I'm hitting everything every day, 600 calories, protein, steps, etc. doing more each day. Um, only managed three Wait, workouts, 1600. <laughs> What did I say? You said 1,600. I was like, oh. Okay, well, that might be the problem. No, okay, sorry, 1,600 calories. Um, Only managed three workouts last week, but I have planned five this week. Shall I make sure I am doing five before I drop my calories? I would say yeah. I would say yeah, um, because also I think that this might catch up with you because you're you're already doing pretty good, as it sounds. I'd say yeah, add another one, but also simultaneously if you feel like you can happily adhere to even just just this one tiny thing a 1500 to 1600 kind of bracket closer to 1500 doing that and adding a workout just might have a little bit more rocket fuel behind it but even that is so tiny so you don't absolutely don't have to do that at all but something to think about agreed okay um how do you deal with loved ones who haven't yet seen the light and have an unhealthy diet and don't exercise. I was called sanctimonious this week when I tried to share what I'm doing and the results I've got. I've lost six kilograms in nine weeks, eating more calories than I've ever eaten whilst dieting, like the, the, eating more calories than I've ever eaten whilst dieting, full stop. Previously, for years and years, which included all of my quote unquote treats, I, sorry, that's written without any punctuation. So anyway, basically it made me very sad. Thank you for all your amazing education and laughs. So I think what we can get from this is her family on, what's the actual definition of sanctimonious? Um, I don't know. Preachy and annoying. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not calling you that. I'm saying when people say it to me, I'm guessing that's what they mean. Making us, a those... show of being morally superior to other people. That's a yeah. horrible thing to say. Self-righteous. It, it, uh, okay. Holier than just, thou. I'm... Sorry, right, oh, I'll stop with the... said that to me. Oh, can I tell you why? <laughs> huh? So, oh, it doesn't matter. It's a long story. My ex-boyfriend, one of them, one of my many ex-boyfriends, cheated on me and I found out. And then I sent a flirty text messages to one of my friends. And he was like to me, you always act like you're holier than now, but you're not. And I was like, I didn't cheat, dickhead. You did. Anyway, let's move on from my ex-boyfriend <laughs> and all the joy that brings with it. Um, okay, listen. Uh, okay. <laughs> My whole family, all of them, and I have a big family, I have lots of brothers who are all married, there are kids, parents, the lot. My dad is active, as in like he always makes sure that he's up walking around. He tries to eat kind of healthy and that he orders fish over red meat, but that is literally where his nutritional health stops. Um, my mum is like super sedentary and has like, I mean, once tried to do like a, a, a two-one fast thing, which was just ridiculous. Um, 
Other than that, she's just not healthy at all. None of my brothers are particularly health and fitness minded. They don't particularly care. I know, and I have known, because I know my family, not to preach to them or talk to them about health and fitness. I'll drop things in. So like, for example, my grandma had dementia and it's something that like me and my dad always really worry about because it is kind of genetic. And so I'll drop things in here and there, like, you know, fish oils do this and, you know, like berries have been proven to do this. And I'll kind of like drop hints here and there. But I absolutely do not tell any of them what to do, nor do I preach and bang my drum about how heavy I lifted today or how in shape I am. I just don't do it because they are entitled to live their life, even if they choose to live an unhealthy life. What the fuck does that have to do with me? So I'm not surprised it rubbed them up the wrong way. And that's not being mean to you at all. I totally understand why you would talk about your successes and what they could do. But if they don't ask the question, don't give them the answer. And even so much so, I was like offended recently when a couple members of my family basically decided to start tracking calories and stuff and didn't ask me for any help didn't ask me what kind of calories they should be on. And shock horror, they were on like starvation calories. I was like, what are you doing? But I didn't even then say, why didn't you ask me? This is my job. Like, I was just like, okay, well, I mean, it's not ideal. You're probably not going to be able to adhere for it for that long, but good luck. Go for it. You don't give the answer unless they ask the question. Emma. I completely agree with that. I, I, think, with that. I think someone, someone, has, to someone has to come to you. I've got an echo. I've got an echo. Maybe it'll you pass. It, it usually passes, doesn't it? Yeah, let me have a little look. Oh, no, wait. Okay. Go on. You keep... I think it's gone now. But yeah, like, I completely agree. And I think it can cause a lot of... I, I don't know. I think it can come across as judgy, even if it's not judgy. And I yeah, absolutely it think it's usually from their headspace. So, for example, like, I don't care what anyone eats. And I'm certainly not judging what anyone eats. It actually doesn't even cross my mind. Whereas... I think people expect me to because of my job. Yeah. I think that's where it comes from. And that I think that they maybe almost expect it of you because you, you maybe you've spoken about the fact that you've lost a bit of weight or you're really enjoying the EC method in passing. Not to say that you should do the same, but yeah. they then almost, like that's their thought process though, is that, oh, if someone else is in good shape, then I should do the same. And I think that's the problem. And it's also their thought process that someone is morally superior because of their food choices. Like, I'm sure you've not said that. That's their thought processes that, oh, I'm almost, like, I'm bad for eating this. Like, that has absolutely yeah. nothing to do with you as a person. It's just the food choices that you've been making. So I think it does come a lot from them. But I do agree with Chloe that it's often not worth it unless someone asks you. And honestly, even, th like, there's nothing I would want to talk about less outside of work than work i know it's slightly different when it's not your job but you've got this group for that as well and i think that's one of the great things about the group is that so many people in this are like oh none of my family are interested none of my friends want to hear me talk about this they're so bored by it cool chat to us about it we want to hear about it we want to know your like what you're lifting in the gym we want to know what you had for dinner we want to know that you're doing really well you can share all that within the group but i think when people aren't interested and they might come to you and if they do come to you then obviously you can talk to them about it but yeah it does it can become a little bit of a problem it is it, exactly what emma said and, and sorry i don't i always worry that because i do speak quite bluntly and i'm not trying to what exactly the point is personified by what she said when she said 
even if you don't mean for it to be preachy or judgy at all, it's kind of inevitable that that's how it sounds because essentially, and I, I don't think you would have meant that at all, but essentially it will sound like that because you're telling them to do something that they're not interested in doing, but you are. And so, yeah, just keep your mouth shut. And exactly what Emma said, this is why you have us. This is why you have the group. You know, do you wonder why I fucking talk so much every single time you guys ask a question? Because I'm excited I get to talk to you about that. I know the answer. Like, it's cool for me. Um, but yeah, there will come a point as well where, you know, you'll get bored of talking about it. Emma, isn't it like every time I go to a wedding and they sit me down next to really anyone, but especially a girl, she'll be like, so how do I lose weight? And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I've had like I've been out in like clubs and a guy in my ear being like and then at lunch I'll have chicken and rice and all this and I'm like I don't want to know your diet like I don't want to oh so boring and then that's why when people are like when you're at weddings I was like oh what do you do and you're just like I'm an accountant yeah no because then they ask you about money I'm always just like oh it's boring I don't want to talk about work what do you do James wouldn't talk to me about rugby for like the first two years that we were together like just would he was like, I have to talk about it with every single person all day long. I don't want to talk about it. And I, I was always like, what does he even mean? Now I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, question. You guys are amazing. Totally loving this plan. This is round two for me. I'm feeling wonderful. Completely happy with the program. Feeling great in my mindset. Significant weight and measurement loss. But I'm constantly feeling cold. Is this because I've lost nearly two stone now? Thank you, guys, and thank you for everything. Yes, probably. And that it's winter now. <laughs> yeah, it might be something to do with the fact it's winter. It's not as hot as summer. Um, but yeah, it can, especially when you get very lean, then you you would just literally be cold all the time because fat insulates you. But I wouldn't want time. you to be maintaining a level of lean that would cause you to be cold all of the time. So that no. might be something to consider. But I actually think Chloe's point about the fact that it's uh, quite cold outside might also be slightly part of the problem. But yeah, it, as you get leaner, you do tend to become a little bit chilly. It's horrific. And like, even just, I remember the thing of the times when I've been super lean, even just sitting down is painful. I'm like, ugh. What, because you're so cold? Do you know what? There's cold, nothing like. Um, there's nothing less motivating than being cold. I, hate, I absolutely hate it. The cold and me are not friends at all. No. I will be the biggest bitch ever if I'm cold and someone's trying to talk to me. I will just, I mean, I'm, it's awful because I just can't handle it. I'm like angry. <laughs> oh, I'm exactly the same. But then I've got Good. really bad circulation as well. Same. Same. I get it from my mum. Really bad. Like cold, always cold and clammy hands. Cold and clammy feet. Oh, not great. Right. Okay, <laughs> next question. I have been upping my calories for a few weeks now. I'm done with fat loss. I went from 1,800 to 1,900 to 2,000 to 2,100 for the last week. My question is, firstly, how do I know when I have hit a good number of calories for hypertrophy? When you say, quote unquote, small weight gain, do you mean consistently gaining a little bit each week? Um, so weight trending up the way. I seem to be stalling at roughly the same place with weight and this week even hit a new low weight so i'm thinking i need to up my calories again i'm a really active person i move a lot naturally would it be unusual for me to need to go so high with calories or is this kind of normal thanks for making me think differently about christmas this year normally i'm going into january feeling a bit shit, but not this year 
firstly, 1,200 calories, or 1,100 calories, isn't, like, ridiculously high at all. 2,100. Why can't you what say I, numbers What did today? I just say? <laughs> 1,100. Oh my god. Okay. 2,100 calories. 1,100 definitely isn't high. But 2,100 isn't that high. Like it's not, it's definitely not weirdly high. Um, But it does sound like you're still in a slight deficit. So you definitely need to up your calories. Yeah. So really what will happen is, is that you will, when you, when you start to increase calories, and this can even just be by, you know, a little amount, you, you know, you can temporarily, as in over the course of a few days or a week, see the scale increase in that. We've talked about this before. will be food volume, glycogen storage, water storage um, addition to, you know, the deficit that you were on last week. So usually a, ju- a bump up of like a few, like a, a two, three, maybe um, pounds is, is likely. Then what we would really like to see is you completely stay stable, you to maintain. Um, and once you're maintaining ideally every few weeks or months just seeing a small increase in the scale um which would kind of stay stay stable but don't forget under this umbrella of what i'm saying there will still be scale fluctuations on route like all the time but we just would like to see you slowly over the period of a few months very very um gradually creeping up on the scale but by like one pound at a time and i do mean months and months and months i don't mean like every week if you're gaining every week you're in too much of a surplus and you need to come back down to a more maintainable level exactly what emma said in the last question that was similar to this you don't need to be in a crazy surplus to see hypertrophy occur over time you need a tiny you need like less than 10% even just a tiny bit over um, and that's good enough. And lastly, if you're losing, you're still in a deficit. And lastly, lastly, no, I've had female clients that I've had to take up to the high 2000s um, because they have a high expenditure. They train like fucking athletes. They are, you know, absolute badasses in the gym and they need more calories. And so, yeah, it, it happens all the time. Okay. How do I manage mental cravings of carb treats like cake and chocolate? I'll let you go first on this one. <laughs> uh, I think you've kind of got a few options with cravings. Obviously, one, ride the craving out because it might just pass. Uh, mm-hmm. Two, have a small amount of the chocolate within your calories. Or three, like find a substitute, I guess. Like you do your protein mug cake. Like there are loads of things that will kind of get rid of that craving without going off track with your diet. Or you just have the real thing. Like, you know, loads of people make fake pizzas or something like it depends what you want like if you would just rather have the real pizza but know that it's going to take up more of your calories fine if you would rather make a quote-unquote healthy maybe more calorie friendly alternative fine if yeah or if you want to ride it out because a lot of the times especially around your menstrual cycle like I just don't no amount of chocolate would ease my craving anyway like I would just want more anyway so I just ride it out knowing that next week I probably won't feel this way but it's totally up to you and there isn't really a right or wrong it's just what works for you best I like swaps I think swaps is just and also once you get into the habit of it you know the novelty factor that should come when you order a takeaway or you you know have a bit of a blowout it should be a novelty it's still very much intact and this whole thing that we have, I don't know. I, I like swaps, um, but I like all those suggestions. It's very good. I and think that swaps are really good because sometimes you, you, 
like sometimes you're not craving what you think you're craving. For example, like I think some people who crave a chippy just want some ketchup. Like, oh, I really yeah. want like fish and chips. Actually, did you just want some ketchup? Well, like homemade fish and chips are amazing. And yeah. not particularly, I mean, it's potatoes and fish, white fish, lowest That's calorie right. protein source you can probably find. Like make your own that. and then realize that actually they're just as enjoyable as what you were getting at the chip shop anyway. There's a fish and chip recipe in my new book. So look in. Okay, I've started swimming again now that pools are back open. Currently swimming a mile three times a week and getting the weighted home workouts done. Last week, I only managed them once each. I'm worried that not enough, I'm worried that's not enough and struggled to get in more now that I'm swimming again. Will this have a big impact on my weight loss? I'm unsure if I should swim less to get the weighted workouts in. Um, it's not enough. I want you guys doing those home weighted workouts twice each. That's four times minimum. If you want to do a fifth or sixth workout in the week, pick whatever you want. I don't care. But that's the rule for the for the home weighted. Weight loss? No, it's not going to affect your weight loss negatively. But we don't want weight loss. We want body fat loss and a little bit of muscle mass gain. Weight loss means is completely arbitrary it's just pie in the sky not relevant at all that's not what we're here for and it's not what you should be here for either however the caveat to everything i've just said is if you love swimming if this is the bees knees the dog's bollocks and the cat's pajamas for you absolutely prioritize that focus on that because ultimately it's good it's resisted cardio so there are worse types of cardio you could be doing um and if you love it and if if you enjoy it then yeah, absolutely. Keep swimming and and prioritize it. Emma, what do you think? On that point, I swimming is quite an interesting one because if you swim slowly, it is like a really pretty crap form of exercise in terms you literally just floating around like it's not you're not even maintaining your body weight, like you don't have to hold your body weight against gravity. But if you're swimming fast, it's absolute like it will burn so many calories so i think like look at the intensity of your swimming as well but it sounds like you're quite a good swimmer which probably means that it is a good form of exercise for you it's not a very good form of exercise for me because i'm not very good at swimming which means that i end up just kind of floating around although (laughs) maybe when you're really bad at swimming and you try really hard that probably does burn quite a lot of calories so that's one aspect like it'd be very hard for us to say oh yeah you're doing a mile swimming you must be burning loads of calories. Not necessarily the case. Like my grandma used to swim a mile every morning. Maybe it wasn't a mile, a hundred lengths every morning, but it was literally like floating up and down the pool. Like I'm like, she would have been so much better just going for a walk. But do you know what? Any, as Chloe's saying, any exercise is good if you enjoy it. I think the ideal situation, given that you obviously enjoy swimming, would be just try and fit in those home workouts as well. Um, or maybe a bit of a compromise, like do two swims a week and try and get all those home workouts in. But Chloe's spot on, like if body composition is your goal, we really want to maintain or build muscle mass. And to do that, you're going to need to be lifting some weights. And Mm. the best thing to do would probably be the home weighted workouts. The only people really who should be saying weight loss specifically is in the scale going down is my goal. Are people who've been told that they can only start IVF when they weigh X. 
those are really the only people who need to be prioritizing weight loss. Everybody else, that should not be the goal. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? I can't remember now. And even then, re- like, it's, it's, it's only because the doctors said that weight. Like, in terms of your success of IVF, it's still the fat loss that's going to improve yeah. your success rate. So it is still, we still want you losing body fat. And we've spoken yeah. so much, especially the last um podcast about the importance of muscle mass for health in various mm. forms so yeah try try not to get too stuck stuck on the scales and remember that it's fat loss that we want not we should do loss. um a whole topic podcast on lift on why my added muscle mass is so important yeah let's do it i love the way, yeah you're so good as well like you articulate all the all of it so so well we should definitely do that oh, oh this is a really good question um, I don't think we've even spoken about this before. So thoughts on supplementing with beetroot? Oh, yeah. Um, science says it's a good thing to do. Yeah. Science says it has, it has a very, very good impact on um, your performance, your recovery. Um, I know for a fact that all the England boys, all the England rugby boys have been doing uh, basically as soon as the day that they get into camp, they all get like a tray of shots, of beetroot shots. See, I was going to ask you that. I was wondering because a lot of the time it's more promoted towards endurance type athletes. But I, I remember reading a study on, and I think it was on rugby players or hockey players, or maybe it was both. But they were looking at the impact on sprint performance, because obviously that's more applicable, but also on cognitive performance so like decision making and reaction time which yeah. is like obviously goes down towards the end of the game when you're absolutely shattered and, and actually that's probably the most important thing is reacting to mm-hmm. things as soon as they happen so yeah very good for has, performance it, it, yeah it, i think they they swear by it and i think and i do actually think if you look at the science behind it it's pretty backed up um everything very similar to magnesium uh, in terms of what that can do for the body but in a much more immediate sense ATP production and all these things have been seen to be greatly enhanced by supplementing with it however the one thing I would say if we're talking about this seriously is to consider the bioavailability of the specific supplement you get so raw beetroot blended shot obviously it's going to be a lot more uh, in my opinion is likely to be a lot more bioavailable to the body than say if you were taking like all um i would presume that to be true i haven't read anything about it but i would just say consider that emma what are your thoughts on it i think that's a good point because a lot of people are like oh i'll just increase the nitrates in my diet so things like leafy vegetables beetroot um but we don't know the bioavailability of that and also at different times of year it will be completely different as well so like if that crop is in season etc etc so it does seem at the moment that those like you can buy it in like little shots beat it i think it's called these like beetroot shots but it's it's a really interesting area of research and so the research shows that it reduces your oxygen cost at any given exercise intensity so effectively you're becoming more efficient which i think is why endurance athletes tended to go towards that but it seems to be just as important in or like have the same sort of benefits to to power sprint performance and then i thought the cognitive function thing was really interesting um but what in terms of like i've looked at this before for completely other reasons like kind of the other end of the spectrum of health benefits so 
um, increased nitrates mm-hmm. in your diet reduce your blood pressure and then risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes. So it's not just like elite level athletes that should be concerned with this. Like everyone should be getting more nitrates in their diet. Um, mm-hmm. And when you look at that, the other thing that's quite interesting is again, kind of what Chloe's touching on, like the bioavailability of this and what actually happens after you eat something. And mm-hmm. an article I read ages ago, and I can't remember the exact reasons why, but basically you take in nitrate and your body converts that into nitrite to have these benefits. But your mouth, if, if you take things like um, uh, antibacterial mouthwash, and we never think about this, but we always talk about the gut microbiome as like down deep down in our guts, but it really starts in your mouth. So the bacteria in your mouth is really important. And when people take antibacterial mouthwash, it stops the conversion of nitrate to nitrite and then the potential health benefits of that. So that's something to think about. Like we would never, I mean, we obviously do take antibiotics and we know that that has a negative effect on the gut microbiome. But we would never just do that daily. Like you're only taking antibiotics when you really need them. But yet we are like completely eradicating the bacteria in our mouth daily by antibacterial mouthwash. God, Emma, that is such a good point. And how, like, obviously we all know that it starts here. How are we not even... I know, we don't think about it. Never thought about it like that. How interesting is that? Wow. Well, there you go. Right. So yes, you should be trying to get as much nitrates in your diet as possible. Have you ever tried the beetroot supplement? Because it's really gross. No, I haven't. Um, I kind of, no, I haven't. No. And I don't mind. I'm not a beetroot if I'm going to be totally honest with you. Do you know what? The one from Tesco that's like sweet chili beetroot or something. Really good. Firecracker. Sure. So Dylan Hartley, who's a ex England captain he lives down the road from us and we're really good friends with him and his family right and he his daughter Thea is amazing she like does everything he tells him so he's like bang on his beetroot supplements every day and I went around to their house the other day and I said hi to Thea and her hands were bright purple and I was like what have you been doing and it turns out that every single morning before anyone else is awake Thea goes downstairs feeds the dogs she's amazing goes into the kitchen and makes herself her own beetroot shot so it's like five years old I was like you're fucking kidding so yeah we should all be more like Thea the (laughs) five-year-old absolutely Uh, the other point is I think you need to eat about eight beetroot to get like the amount of nitrate you would need for performance enhancing benefits so that I think that's why most people shot it because that's that's quite a lot well I really don't beetroot my grandma used to make me eat it and I'm just like (laughs) yeah or it's like a whole bag of spinach which probably see once you cook it might not be that bad shove it it in the microwave for 20 seconds and that whole bag of spinach was like a teeny tiny handful (laughs) yeah right okay next question these past few days um on the verge of 6 p.m I felt hungrier I pushed through drinking a cup of tea and starting prepping dinner to avoid snacking is this linked to my body reacting to the deficit? Am I right to behave that way or should I schedule dinner earlier or have a protein bar around five-ish to avoid this hunger spike? Thank you. It could be anything. It could be to do with what time of day you're working out. Um, It could be to do with the deficit. 
could be to do with body fat loss. Uh, it could be to do with any number of things. Um, I like your idea. I mean, a protein bar likely isn't going to satiate you that much. Um, even if it is high protein, you're probably a lot better off to maybe do like a big bowl of like protein and veg. Uh, by the way, a lot of you are saying like, but how do I do, do a big bowl of veg for volume? And it's like, I say this all the time, things like broccoli mash, cauliflower rice, courgette, big hearty salads. There's a million and one different things you can do. Yeah, or do you know what's really easy? It's like frozen veg. Mix yeah, frozen veg. Yeah, I do cauliflower rice and frozen veg all the time to like get make sure that I'm getting my micronutrients and my fibrin. It's so filling, I rarely can get through the whole bowl. I like well, a lot of the time I'll eat half of it and put it aside, even if I'm in a really savage deficit, because it's very, very filling. So yeah, you have to manage it. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I would say manage it like that. Yeah, and it kind of depends. Like, if you want to move your dinner earlier, like you might then just find that then you're hungry before bed. Like, does it fit with your day? Also, is this hunger just like, huh, I'm a little bit hungry, or is it something you're really struggling with? Like, does it completely occupy your mind, or do you just need to distract yourself? And we've spoken about this before, but like a little bit of hunger is totally normal in a fat loss diet. Like, yeah. I think. Um, you don't need to act on all these things. And as much as we do recommend you listen to your hunger signals, and I think this is something we've maybe not touched on enough, is one of the negatives of tracking calories and using it as a tool to lose body fat is that you often lose touch with your hunger signals because you're yes. not thinking about them. You're just like, oh, I've got 500 calories, so I'm going to eat 500 calories rather than I'm going to eat until I'm full. Like Chloe's just saying, like, she eats and then she's full, so she stops, even though technically she could have had all of that veg because she'd put it in my fitness pal or something. Like, we still want you to listen to your hunger signals, even if sometimes you don't act on them. Like, we still want you to be aware of them. So, a good tool to yeah. do that is to think about, like, on a scale of one to 10, how hungry are you before you eat? How hungry are you once you finish eating? And just yeah. try and, like, stay in tune with that because it will become so much easier to then at some point move away from tracking if you're still thinking about your own hunger and satiety. Preach it, sister. And you, you put a file up, didn't you? Yeah, I don't think it's in this group yet, but I can put it up. It's just, it's a really simple file. It just shows you the sort of was hunger. Was that in the old group you put that up? Shut up. I that know. feels like it was yesterday. What week are we in, by the way? Two I knew you were going to ask at some point. It's, it feels like someone told me yesterday that Christmas is like next Friday. Yeah, Christmas is literally next week. Look, let me look. Hang I was on. like, watching what? Question. Uh, Christmas is, I shit you not, it's Christmas Eve this day next week. No. I've not done yeah. any Christmas shopping. I haven't done anything. And all my brothers like, were in this WhatsApp group. They're like talking about all the presents they've got the kids. And I'm like, oh, Yeah, but that's the joy of not having kids. It's like, oh, I can just buy my like my parents and my brother. And then um... no, but they all buy each other's kids like loads and loads of stuff. And I'm like, just the, I'm the worst aunt. I mean, they love me the most, but oh. <laughs> I always forget to buy them presents anyway. <laughs> okay, next question. I'm curious about whether there's a difference between muscle size and muscle strength i.e. to get stronger is it simply a case of building more muscle or can you make the muscle you already have stronger if the latter does how you train affect which happens good question it's a perfect cycle it's a circle so 
the stronger you are, the more muscle you'll build. The more muscle you'll build, the stronger you get. So the two are completely completely linked. Um, with um, Emma, I'll let you, I've talked about this like ad nauseum on other ones, so I'll let you carry um, on from there. Yeah, like they are very closely correlated. The only periods of time when they're not so closely correlated are newbie gains, when actually your your ability to recruit the muscle that you already have is being increased, and that's why you increase strength so quickly. Because you'll notice yeah. that when you first go into the gym, you increase your strength really fast. And then you'll be like, oh, but Emma and Chloe said it took quite a lot of time to build muscle. Yeah, because you're actually just recruiting the muscle that you already have. Um, and the second time would be like coming back from injury and things where you're very quickly able to build strength up again, even though muscle mass might not necessarily be building at the same rate. But after those mm -hmm. periods of time, it is quite, especially once you've been lifting for a while, they're pretty highly correlated. Um, and I think the only real caveat to that would be if you're just improving your technique, which you could technically say is improving your strength. If it's like, if you were looking at something like an Olympic lift, you might get stronger doing an Olympic lift, not by building muscle, but by actually getting better at the movement. But if you were looking at sheer strength as in like how hard you can just push something with no technique that's going to be more related to just sheer how much muscle you have and how much of that muscle you can recruit. Yeah, brilliant points. Okay, struggling with protein. Some days I'm over, some days I'm under. Will this matter? Going to focus more on this for, for the coming meals this week. Didn't hit my calories on a few days, but went slightly over on Saturday, hoping this won't hurt and I'm enjoying training. Um, so going slightly over calories every once in a while won't hurt. When you go crazy over calories, that will hinder you. And if it happens all the time, that will also hinder you. But a little bit infrequently is fine. Is eating too much protein or is going over your protein goals going to hurt you? Not at all. Not your body. You know, in terms of muscle protein synthesis, it won't need anything that you're going over to so say over 50 grams a, a a kind of a serving but it's not going to hurt you at all the body will still absorb it and and flush it out uh going under in terms of physique results absolutely yes it's going to hinder your physique results and it's going to hinder your recovery um so really guys women we're not kidding when we say we want you hitting 100 grams minimum yep agreed um and it does matter as Chloe's saying so yeah that is an important one should we cover the live questions yeah, I had them all up, but then I realized I was just like staring at my phone and it looked really rude. So I got off it. <laughs> okay, oh, here okay. we go. Uh, this is the first time I've been able to get in. First meal, I'm just going to see. No, there's no actual questions that I can see, just comments. Oh, okay. But I, I've only got three. Can you see more? Um, I'm going bouldering for the first time tonight. I'm chuffed. I've been practicing for my pull-ups and feel like it's really going to help. Mostly I'm excited to be getting better at all the, um, wait, mostly I'm excited for getting better at failing physically as I think this, does that say failing? Yeah. This will have big yeah. mental benefits as well as help my approach to progressive overload. Any tips or thoughts? Oh, okay. I think she means pushing herself to failure. Okay. I'm a bit confused. <laughs> so, well, this is my interpretation. Could be totally wrong. So sorry, Charlotte, if it is. But my interpretation of this is 
pushing yourself to absolute failure like doing a workout you know mm. a lot of people will always stop a couple of sets or a couple of reps short of really reaching muscular failure mm. is that might not be that <laughs> but i do think that um Just don't understand the question and you'll let hide me I can't do it. <laughs> I do think um, that doing that is like taking your body to that next level is so much a mind game for sure. Like when people yeah. think that they've reached like the wall if they're running or something that oh, I can possibly yeah. go any further. Yeah, you absolutely can. And then I think proving to yourself that you can. Because a lot of the times in, like when I think back to doing more face-to-face coaching, it, people put these like barriers in front of themselves. Like, oh, I've, I never, I can never do more than 10 push-ups. And I'm like, I'm literally watching you do 12. Like, yeah. yes, you absolutely yeah. can. You can always do a little bit more than what you think you can. And then that's a pretty cool feeling as well when you think that you couldn't do something and then you can achieve that. Uh, yeah, a, good, a, a very good point. A, a really good tip. This doesn't apply for like more dangerous movements like squats. So this applies to... Um, things that are less dangerous so like uh shoulder like lateral raises um so th- okay so sorry i should <laughs> let me start that from the beginning there are certain movements which i would classify as dangerous if you're pushing yourself without a spot okay so one of them would be chest press one of them would be squat just off the top of my head okay those two you have to be much more minded about when you really are exhausting the muscle and this is your last rep 100 percent. unless you have a spot in which case no shut up keep going they're there to save you if you need it but with a lot of other movements bicep curls lateral raises even deadlifts um generally speaking i want you guys to keep going obviously trying to maintain the best form that you can until you literally get to a a rep and you can't complete it that's usually a really good indicator of when you're really done if you're completing a last full rep with great form and you've done the full rep chances are you probably could have knocked out at least half a rep more if not one there's some very good indicators to go on um just thoughts on exhaust yeah and then also don't be afraid to like if you really want to push your body just do like rest pause things so let's say it was 10 reps you wanted to get in but you don't quite get the 10 reps like put the weight down wait for a couple of breaths and then lift it up again and finish those reps or if you really yeah. want to reach like real muscular fatigue, then yeah, like have a little break and do five more reps, have a little break and do five more reps until you can't do five more reps. And when I say yeah. a little break, like three deep breaths, not like a full recovery or you'll just never reach a point where you can't do five reps, but that's yeah. how you would really get to like muscular fatigue. I had a load of girls in the gym, like essentially bully me out of my spot, my lifting spot the other day. And I was like, absolutely fuming about it. I just wanted to throw that out. <laughs> I'm still really angry about it. Anyway. How did they bully you out of it? They just kept moving in front of me. And like, none of them could even lift. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It happened three times in 10 minutes. And even James walked over. He was like, Haha, you got bullied out of your sport. I was like, I can't. Don't talk to me about it. Aww. Aww. Anyway. Okay, that was a lovely that. Q&A. Are we back? What day are we back? Friday or Saturday? We can do either. We can do either tomorrow or Saturday. Oh, Actually, no, we have what? to do Saturday because look at my hair. I've getting it done again tomorrow because it went ginger. Okay. The, the problem with this is I've just, the pennies just dropped here. James is doing a 12 hour DJ set for let's, charity. Um, on- let's do this offline and then we can arrange a time <laughs> and we will let the group know. 
and Bye. I'll let you know. Bye.